In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. The text for this morning's sermon is the Gospel appointed for this third Sunday after the Feast of Holy Epiphany, particularly the first four verses. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 4. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Thus far, the Gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes down the mountain where our Good Shepherd has had His sheep lying down in green pastures teaching them the words that enable them to fear no evil as they return to the valley of the shadow of death. And there he meets a man with a death sentence. As all of us are, but he is more immediately conscious of his. This man has leprosy, a disease more dreaded in its day than AIDS or COVID is in ours. Nor are the profound social consequences of this disease to be missed. Leprosy was so feared that anyone found to have it was banished from society, forced to live out in the wilderness, waiting for fallen nature and this devastating disease to take its course all the way to the end. Dying or not, this leper was a man of faith. He comes and worships the Lord. He confesses his faith. Probably got enough for a sermon right there. Lord, I have relational need or physical need or financial need or heaven knows what all else and we all do. And the temptation is there to overlook the great saving work of Christ and the gift and the promise of eternal life and cut right to the chase of whatever this temporal issue is. An issue that I pray we all have the joy 
of living in eternity and looking back at such things and laughing at the fact that we thought they were important. This man doesn't do that. As so many men in the Old Testament as well as the New had to learn, and we too must learn, we don't get to put Jesus in our hip pocket. Prayer is not the tool by which we conform God to our will, manipulate Him to do what we want. As I've heard it said so quaintly, prayer is not the means by which we operate the grand vending machine in the sky. No, faith worships Jesus, places itself beneath Jesus, and seeks to be conformed to Him rather than trying to conform Him to whatever we want. And so that's the faithful posture that this man takes. It doesn't describe how exactly he went about worshiping Jesus, whether he bowed his head or went down on one knee or face to the ground or what. But whatever he said or did, the text is very clear that he worshipped Jesus. His prayer then is one of faith. It is not a, hey Jesus, let me tell you what you need to be doing here sort of prayer. No, the man still had his wants and desires, of course. We all do. But he doesn't pray as though he imagines he is, or if he does it just right, can be, in the driver's seat. He says to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. It's not one of those brash name it and claim it prayers. It's not a presumptuous demand for the God-man Jesus Christ to get with this man's program. No, it is a humble, thy will be done prayer. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This is the way our Lord Himself specifically invites us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. It is probably the biggest struggle we face in the leading of a holy life. We pray, Thy will be done. As, of course, long ago we learned to do when we were taught the Lord's Prayer. Yet our old sinful nature wants to be muttering under our breath, Thy will be done, Lord. But what I really want here is my will. 
Underlying the temptation to pray that way is the oldest temptation in history. The temptation the serpent used against Adam and Eve. The temptation to doubt the goodness and the graciousness of God. He flat told Adam and Eve that they would not die and implied that God was really not concerned about them. He was concerned about Himself. God knows that in the day you eat of it, you will be like Him. And like I said, by implication, the devil was suggesting, God told you not to eat that because He doesn't want the competition. He was concerned not for them, but for Himself. That was the devil's lie. And one aspect of the fall in which we live and always have is the temptation not to trust God. And whenever we are tempted to pray a my will be done prayer, it is because the devil, the world, and our old sinful flesh have tempted us to believe that God does not have our best interests at heart. Not like we have our own best interests at heart. Faith knows better. Faith knows that God... He has more information than you. That's one of the consequences of being omniscient. Faith recognizes that God knows you better than you know yourself. In fact, faith even realizes that God loves you more than you could love yourself. The leper understands this. The one standing in front of him was the living God in human flesh come to sacrifice himself on the cross for the salvation of the world. The Jesus who loves him and us enough to do all things necessary for this leper's salvation, for our salvation. That same Jesus can be trusted to handle his leprosy problem and your health or wealth or relationship problem in a manner that really is, in this man's case, best for him and in your case, best for you. That's important because we have no reason to believe that Jesus miraculously healed every sick person He ran into during His earthly sojourn. St. Paul prayed about his thorn in the flesh. And God told him, No! My grace is sufficient for you, He says. God can have 
a gracious and merciful reason for telling us no about something we dearly wish He would do for us. In Paul's case, it seems mainly to have served to demonstrate that all that happened through Paul's ministry was really God's doing and not Paul's. And this thorn in the flesh was used by God to highlight that point. But God was merciful in barring our way back to the tree of life when Adam and Eve first fell. If it had been up to them, they would have cut their losses, partaken of that tree, and lived forever in their fallen, sinful condition. And I think of all of the legends in various cultures. Sinbad or Ponce de Leon searching for the fountain of youth. All these ways in which this very point gets confessed, people look for ways if possible, to live forever, but certainly to live longer in this fallen sinful condition. God wanted better for them. And since that comes by way of death and the resurrection, the death part of which we all by nature fear, God prevented them from partaking of the tree of life. This leper that our Lord healed in our text, let us be clear, leprosy was a horrible way to die. I'm feeling tactful this morning, so I'm not going to describe it, but just take my word for you. Is awful. By Jesus' merciful act of healing, this man lived longer and probably died a far less gruesome death, but he still died. Jesus came to give him and you something far greater than deliverance from something that shortens your life and makes you die gruesomely. Jesus came to give Him and you everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. He most certainly was not going to short-circuit His own saving work. The leper and we must face temporal death that by way of resurrection we may have not just an eternal life but perfect eternal life. The faithful leper trusts the Lord. His prayer simply lays the matter before the Lord. 
Thy will be done style. Lord, if You are willing, You can make me clean. But now notice two things the Lord does. He touches him and He speaks to him. The touching is important. According to Old Testament ceremonial law, if you touched anyone or anything that was ceremonially unclean, and believe you me, lepers were, coming into contact with something that was unclean made you unclean. But with Jesus, when He touches the unclean man, it works the other way around. The unclean one is cleansed. Now, while Jesus didn't become visibly leprous, let there be no doubt, Jesus took all this man's sin, the sin that his leprosy was just a symptom of, and all of our uncleanness as well, He took upon Himself. But He did that by way of physical touch because we are physical creatures. And so it is the Lord's way to save us by physical means. Make no mistake, you receive the same touch in baptism and in Holy Communion. In those ways, Jesus touches you, washes you clean in the waters of baptism, even as He received a common sinner's baptism and took your sins on Himself that in your baptism He might clothe you with His righteousness. So too, in Holy Communion, Jesus touches you and gives you His sin-forgiving body and blood even as He sacrificed His sin-carrying body and blood on the cross as a perfect atonement and payment for the sin of the world. You are physical, and so Jesus touches you physically, not just symbolically as those think who go by what makes sense to them rather than what the Word of God actually says. Jesus touches you physically, not just symbolically. His touch of the leper was not merely a symbolic wave in the leper's general direction but a real physical touch. So Jesus gives you real physical touch through baptism and the Lord's Supper so to communicate and transfer to you His righteousness, His innocence, His blessedness. All those gifts that flow out of the forgiveness of sins. Jesus also speaks words to him. And in a way, 
the same words to you. I am willing. Be cleansed. Jesus' word is no pious wish. We have only the power ourselves to speak descriptive words. But God, including God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, has the power to speak words that cause what they describe. When Jesus says, be cleansed, cleansing happens. As our text tells us, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. God's Word does that. If He says, let there be light, the light particles don't sit around and take a vote on whether or not they're going to do it. Light happens. When God's Word tells this leper to be cleansed, cleansing happens. So too, when God uses an ordained mortal man's mouth, to say to you, I forgive you all your sins. The forgiving happens. It is no pious wish. No, I hope so. No, it sure would be nice if it happens. Light happens. Non-leprosy happens. Forgiveness happens. God's Word delivers what it names. And so there you have it. A leper cleansed by word and touch as you are cleansed by word and sacramental touch. Words and touches that come to you from the One, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lived a holy, perfect life and suffered and died on the cross to atone for your sin and thus imbue His Word and sacraments with the power to forgive you. The leper is told to tell no one I've been a pastor for 30 years now. I don't think I've ever once said to anyone, now when you leave here, don't tell anyone about Jesus. I never do that. So it always strikes us as strange that Jesus says this to the leper. The issue here is chronology. Jesus' purpose is to forgive sins. It would just be a distraction if people embraced Him as a wonder worker, as a miraculous fix-it guy, and failed to notice the sin-forgiver that is really what He came into this world to be. Jesus 
even tells the leper to honor his obligation under the law of Moses for the gift he was required to offer was a confession pointing forward to the real sin-forgiving gift, Jesus Christ Himself. Dear ones in Christ, you almost never get out of here without the last words I speak to you being a reminder, a post-service reminder, that all your sins are forgiven you. They are. You are as cleansed of your sins as that man was cleansed of his leprosy. You are cleansed by the word and sacramental touch of Jesus. As those thus cleansed. Confess Christ. Do what the law entrusts you with doing. Go forth from this place and tell someone. Live and give and act and worship in a way that declares your faith as clearly as the pre and post-cleansing leper confessed his. Yes, you will still die. No, in His mercy, God wants better for you than to give you everything you might ask from Him. Trust Him. He sent His Son to die for you. You can trust Him for the rest of it. And when at last you draw your last breath, die clean. Die confident that He who died and rose again for you will indeed raise you also to everlasting life. For His death and resurrection are by now a long since accomplished fact. And so you too will certainly have the resurrection of your body and everlasting life by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.